Offense, play fast. Defense, swarm. Swarm and tackle. We got out block them. We got out tackle them. We got out hit them and hustle. It's real simple. You out block them, you out tackle them, you out hit them, and you out hustle. Let them know. Leave no doubt tonight. Leave no doubt tonight. No doubt. All right, welcome into week five of college football. This is RJ Bell's Dream Preview College Football Edition. I'm AJ Hoffman, joined as always by Scott Seidenberg. Hello, Scott. What's going on, AJ? You know, just into week five, which, which means like next week is week six, and then we're halfway done, <laughs> uh, which is a little bit sad, but that's all right. Uh, wild week in college football, as last week we had, what, six matchups of top 25 mm-hmm. teams. Uh, the the rubber met the road, and there was some separation made. Even in some games where there wasn't separation, there was a winner and a loser. Namely, teams like Clemson, Florida State, Notre Dame, Ohio State. I don't know what separates those teams, but I know that Florida State won. I know that Ohio State won. And Clemson is eliminated from title contention. I know and, what separates Colorado and Oregon. Oh, a country mile, <laughs> a country <laughs> mile. So, uh, but yeah, it, this Notre Dame team is now uh, got their backs against the wall. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I, Notre Dame, a one loss Notre Dame team will make the playoff. Yeah, uh, they've still got games against USC. They've got uh, they've they've got games that will look good. Yeah, uh, an important one coming up this week. But. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it is that that time of year where teams go from title hopes to none, mm-hmm. and this week particularly, we're looking at a lot of games where there are look ahead spots. Like, dude, I mean, Texas Oklahoma plays next week. Texas and Oklahoma both big favorites this week. Mm-hmm. What do we make of that? I, I mean, those are the types of things you got to start thinking about now. Uh, what what's important to what teams? And, uh, you know, we'll go through the schedule as we always do, go through the top 25, see what we like, and uh, or at least what we lean in every game. And then at the end, we'll give some best bets. I'd like to give a best bet right off the bat, though. Wow, okay. Yeah, because if we're, I'd like to go in chronological order here, and there's no top 25 games on Thursday, but there are three games being played on Thursday. Okay. And I have a best bet for one of those games. Okay, let's do it then. Let's. How about we we uh, what is it? Wet the beak. Wet the, the beak. Yeah, let's give the people something to chew on right now. Best bet number one for Thursday night, and I'm going with Western Kentucky laying five and a half at home against Middle Tennessee. Uh, to me, first of all, great name of this rivalry. One hundred miles of hate. Oh, I like great that. name. Western Kentucky's won the last four in this rivalry. And I think what's happening is that WKU's being downgraded because of last week's loss to Troy on the heels of a blowout loss to Ohio State. But last week, they gave up a Hail Mary jump ball touchdown at the end of the first half. And they fumbled on the punt return to start the third quarter, which led to another Troy touchdown. And with those two sequences, it's now 17-7, yeah. and the game's kind of out of hand. Um, but they return home now. Two straight road games. Now they're back home, and I think they right the ship. They still have a very good offense. Austin Reed is thrown for nine touchdowns, just one interception this season. And defensively, they cause so many turnovers. And I think that's going to be the difference in this game. The pressure that they're going to put on mid-Tennessee, they're going to be able to cause some turnovers. And 
Middle Tennessee lost to Colorado State at home last week. Uh, it's a short week with travel, even though it's only 100 miles. <laughs> it's still a short week with travel. It's it's also a, a stretch of games for Middle Tennessee where they're going to be playing on Thursdays and then a Wednesday. and It's, it's a weird four- to five-week stretch where they don't have a lot of time prepared to prepare in between games. I just think Western Kentucky, after the two back-to-back losses, returns home, writes the ship at home, puts up a big number here against Middle Tennessee. It's the first game of the week, and it's best bet number one. I don't disagree with this. Uh, I'll probably be on the same side as you. I, I've downgraded, downgraded Western Kentucky the last couple weeks, but they're still Middle Tennessee's still way, way down there. Mm-hmm. Like, this is a, to me, I, I was surprised at this number. Uh, so I, I'm with you. Anything under a seven, uh, I would like the favorites here. I guess since we're going in chronological order, uh, one of my two best bets is on Friday. So I guess we uh, might as well, well j- hey, jump right the, into the there. top 25 schedule gets kicked off on Friday. So let's go. Uh, I'm going to go with Louisville minus three at North Carolina State. Louisville finally got a breakout performance from Jack Plummer. Uh, he torched BC 388 yards, 18 and a half yards per attempt, five touchdowns. This is what Brahms offense is supposed mm-hmm. to look like. They're averaging 542 yards per game, and they're going up against an NC State team here that doesn't have playmakers and is certainly – we thought maybe there wouldn't be much drop-off from Devin Leary to Brennan Armstrong. Oh, boy, were we wrong. Yeah. Brennan Armstrong stinks. Uh, they probably should have lost that game against Virginia, and you know what I think about Virginia. I think Virginia is just dreadful. Penalties won that game. They won a game on penalties, which is basically saying the other team's mistakes won you the game. Congratulations. Mm-hmm. That's never a good sign. Their other wins, UConn, barely, and VMI. <laughs> uh, Notre Dame just exploded offensively against this Wolfpack D. I think this high-flying Louisville team does the same thing. So I know it's road chalk, but I, I really like what I've seen out of Louisville so far. Uh, I'm going to take Louisville minus three as an ACC home chalk at NC State. Yeah, and, and they're look, they're getting chunk plays from their running game. Uh, Jawar Jordan's getting, yep. doing great, a double-digit yards per touch, um, and they're and they're getting chunk play like that's Brahms' offense, right? Yeah. Just shoot it down Explode. the field. Yeah, yeah. Um, what do you have, Jake Plummer? Three hundred eighty-eight yards on only eighteen completions. Yeah, eighteen and a half yards <laughs> per pass. <laughs> Uh, so every time he threw every time he threw the ball, it yeah. was eighteen and a half yards, hey, and those yeah. eighteen attempts, five touchdowns. Yeah, uh, I, I, mean, I like it. Look, there, there's there's twenty seven undefeated teams left in college football. Louisville's one of them. They're not in the top half of the twenty seven. Nope, I'm with you. But they're not in the bottom seven or so. No. The tw- they're right in the middle of those teams. I think this is a good play. I like Louisville. I'm not afraid of the number on the road here. All right, let's get into the top 25 games, and we'll have we'll each have another best bet at the end. How about yep. that? Uh, so there's a little uh, – we've wet our beaks. Now, had a little <laughs> – had some mott sticks. Uh, let's start on Friday. There is a top 25 matchup, a real good one too. Utah plus three and a half at Oregon State. Threes are basically dried up now. Uh, I, I honestly didn't see that coming. I expected – if anything, Utah would take some money after what they did to UCLA mm-hmm. last weekend. But the reality is that Utah is a dominant home team. Yep. They are not very good on the road. And that sounds harsh, but when you think about it, 
Go back to last year, and they lost that game to Florida, which seemed like a you know a, a really well matched game at the time. But it turned out Utah was really good last year, and Florida wasn't, and Florida won that game. Look at back to the beginning of this season. Utah barely beat Baylor, which at the time didn't seem like that bad of a deal. Now, in hindsight, it's like oh, Baylor stinks. No, yep. like you should have smashed that team. And Oregon State is a tough place to play. I think we're probably going to see Cam Rising this week. Yeah, Cam Rising and Nate Johnson both splitting the first team reps at practice this week. And I just, I Utah to me is the side because of the three and a half. I think I think this game's a field goal line. I think it's probably right. I think it's accurate. I think these teams are very close uh, because of the home field advantage for Oregon State. That's why I would give them a slight edge. And Utah's offense has been underperforming, but Utah's defense is elite. No doubt. They are one of the best defenses in the country. They are the third best third down. Oh, no, excuse me. They are the best. Number one, third down defense in the country. That's how you win football games. You get your opponent off the field and force them to punt. And that's what Utah's doing better than anybody in the country right now. And I thought last week's game was very methodical for Utah. They Cam Rising wasn't available. They knew that the freshman quarterback for UCLA was not going to do anything against that defense, and they played conservative. And they just ran the football. They punted it away. The punter was probably the MVP of the game. I mean, he was booming those kicks and pinning them back. Uh, and uh, it led to Bomeister, right, the punter. It led to UCLA being pinned back and really having nothing offensively until late in the fourth quarter. I think Utah defensively can keep this thing close, and it comes down to the final possession. I like Utah with plus a three and a half. Yeah, I won't have a play on the side because uh, I sort of I lean to Oregon State here. I don't think Oregon State's losing back to back games. I, I mean, as you know, I think very highly of them, mm-hmm. but I, I'm probably not going to play them at, at minus three and a half either. To me, the play is the under forty five. Yes, I, I mean when you think about the idea that Cam Rising short week is going to be out there limited mm-hmm. there's no way and they're like they're going to be switching quarterbacks more than Which likely means no flow to the offense and let's face it dj uyunglele who looked really sharp to start the season the last couple weeks eh, looks kind of clemson uh <laughs> so I, I i think that this is just a grimy game uh there could be some weather up there in Corvallis. yeah i'm looking at it right now i'm looking at the weather for friday night and, and there is a chance of rain which which would make this thing interesting and eight, it certainly benefits Oregon State if there's if there's th- crummy weather. But think about it from both teams' perspectives. DJ is going to want to run the football, and both and Nate and Nate Johnson and Cam Rising are going to want to run the football. Yeah. So this could be a low-scoring, grinded-out type football game for both teams. All right, let's move to Saturday, where Penn State is a twenty-seven point favorite at Northwestern. Yeah, I make them a twenty-eight point. Favorite. Oh, okay. <laughs> You know what? We always we say this every week, and J- James Franklin knows the line. Penn State has now covered 11 consecutive games. He knows the number, baby. And Northwestern coming off a win against Minnesota. Maybe they're not as dreadful as people thought coming into the year. There were people tripping over each other to get to their win total mm-hmm. under. But they were still down 21 going into the fourth quarter. And Minnesota let off the gas, and, and Northwestern got back in the game. The Cats won in overtime. I don't think that's happening against this Penn State defense. Northwestern's given up 
under nine, or excuse me, uh, not Northwestern. Penn State has given up under nine points per game yeah, eight so point, far this season. 8.8 points per game. That's fourth in the nation. And this is what's most impressive to me. 18 yards per drive. That's number one in the nation. I'm yeah. talking about defensively. They're allowing opponents only 18 yards per drive. They haven't played any good offenses yet, so that's also leading into there. But I just don't see Northwestern coming away with some points in this game to keep this thing close. I have I see no reason why Penn State can't win this game a score, you know, 35-6, something like that. Well, in the games against Power 5 competition, Northwestern has just not moved the ball. I mentioned that they – the last quarter against Minnesota, they, they finally put up some points. But before that, it was seven against Rutgers, 14 against Duke, including a touchdown with a minute to go in the fourth. And they had just put up 10 points through three quarters against the Gophers. Penn State has a, a bye on deck, mm-hmm. so you could see them just, you know, Run it up. Let's, let's win and get out of town. No, no, no. Run you, it up. You think? Yeah. I, I, I would look at Penn State in the under here, or, uh, I, just because I, I don't think Northwestern scores. But... I also, I mean, you may be right about run it up because, like I said, James Franklin knows the number, mm-hmm. and that's the that's the kind of guy you want to back. So, uh, Penn State or pass for me, but I, I do think if you're looking to play this in a, a total, I think Northwestern team total under is also a good look. It's at eight and a half. That sounds about right to me. Yeah, like, I don't think they, like if they score a touchdown, I'm going to feel like, man, that was a lucky break. I said th- my predicted score here is thirty-five-six. Yeah, that's it. That uh, seems that's what I have. pretty fair. Yep. All right, let's go. Oh, we got to go check in on our boy, Coach Prime. Ego made it personal. Yeah, maybe everyone should make it personal. Because uh, once once it got personal, it seems like Colorado hasn't played as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, USC a 21.5 point. So let's face it, there's been money come in on Colorado again. Uh, this opened, what, 27? And it's been pushed down to 21.5. To me, this is probably closer to what the number should be. Uh but this is an interesting matchup, and it's going to be interesting to me to see how Colorado responds mm-hmm. to having all the air let out of their balloon. Like you, you're now you're not you're not invincible. You're not uh, a, a top five team. Like everyone knows it now. There's no, well, maybe like no. We all know what you are. How do they respond to that? You, but USC's coming off a pretty disappointing performance, too. It, yeah, it, but it, if you look at that game, USC, there was, they failed in the red zone. They had the fumble, a couple of missed tackles, 10 penalties. Yep. That game could have really been a, a much different story. And what I have concerns about with Colorado is we know Travis Hunter's out. Dion said that uh, you know Travis Hunter wanted to I play, and he's like, I care about you more than this game. Well, how do you think he's going to handle his son, Shiloh Sanders? Because he's questionable, questionable yep. and supposedly he had to go to the hospital because he landed on his kidney and was dealing with some kidney issues uh, after that game. So I don't think he's going to play either. Now you're down your top two cornerbacks Oof. against USC. That's not good. That's not a good formula. Here's the thing. It, to me, the way to beat this USC defense, and I've, I've said as many bad things about the USC defense as probably anyone who's got a microphone the way to beat them is to run the football on them. And Colorado just doesn't, they don't, whether they can or not, I don't know. Mm-hmm. They just choose not to run the football. They, they, it's, whether it's a physicality thing, a scheme thing, I don't know. They don't run. And if you're not running against this USC defense, you're not taking advantage of the, the biggest weakness that they have. Uh, I, I just can't go back to Colorado here. I, I think that it's probably the sharp side. 
I just won't be on the sharp side. Oregon beat them 42-6 to and didn't score for the last 24 minutes of the game. Mm-hmm. USC has no look ahead. They've got Arizona coming up next week, going to L.A. So I think you just get a, a, a focused and, and dominant effort from the Trojans. I, I lean the USC here, if anything. Like, if I had to play this game, it'd be the Trojans. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm not going to be on Colorado at all. And I was on Oregon last week. I told you the humble pie was being shoved down Dion's throat, and it was. How do they respond at home? I would expect a, a focused effort, especially early on. But I think later is where USC can kind of pull away in this game. Mm-hmm. And it's not like they have anything to look forward to. They're, they're at home against uh, um, Arizona. So there's nothing that they're worried. Uh, there's nothing that they're worried about here in terms of a look-ahead spot. The Notre Dame game is a couple of weeks away. All right. Uh, Florida is at Kentucky. What are you showing right now for this line? I've seen it I've seen it anywhere from one to two and a half today alone. Yeah, right now on the DraftKings Sportsbook, Kentucky is a one-and-a-half point favorite. All right. Uh, listen, Kentucky's looked good so far, but it's been against really bad competition. Mm-hmm. Um, that said, I think the defense is better than I expected. Devin Leary's not much of a drop-off from Will Levis, and... Florida has to be able to run the ball to have any success. And it's hard to know if Kentucky can stop the run because everyone's throwing to chase them so far, but they're allowing 2.3 yards per carry Mm -hmm. this season. So again, maybe it's situational, whatever, but nobody's running on this Kentucky defense so far. The Gators on the road, two and eight straight up since 2021. That is a, in 2021, they got a win at South Florida. Mm -hmm. Last year, they won at Texas A&M. This team just doesn't, they don't play well on the road. Mm -hmm. And now they're, they're laying, like you're laying one and a half points here. No, I'm saying with Kentucky, a team team that's like in the conversation now for, I guess, probably second best team in the SEC East. Mm -hmm. I mean, they're at least in that discussion. Sure. What what am I missing here? What what's going on that it, it, like Kentucky's been jumping out to early leads? Mm-hmm. Florida's not built to chase points, and that's the thing. Kentucky's been making a lot of big plays. They've gotten a lot of chunk plays. They're 18th in the country with 1330 plus yard plays. So they're making big chunk plays defensively. They're not really allowing any second fewest in the nation uh, plays of 30 yards or more allowed. So and that's that helps if you go out to a big lead. The one thing you don't want to do is allow chunk plays. Now, I'm not worried about Florida even getting any chunk plays, but against this defense, I just don't think that it's going to be – I don't think it's going to be there for them. Um, To me, I I was a little confused by this spread, and I know that people might be thinking, oh, history and whatnot with Florida, but uh, I think Kentucky deserves to be probably three – Three, at three, least three, three. three and a half point favorites in this game. Yeah, so I, I think we see this game the same way. I, I again, I'll, I'll wait. Um, I don't think it gets to three though, because again, I've seen it go from two and a half down yeah. to one, one and a half. So I, I think that we're gonna, see, if anything, we're gonna see Florida. And I think, listen, when Florida won that game against Tennessee, everybody got excited. Mm-hmm. I don't. I again, I think that was a lot more Tennessee than it was Florida, but. You know it, the, the excitement runs both ways. I think we're maybe uh, we're maybe getting a cheap price here on the Wildcats. All right, uh, if the if the Wildcats win, guess what we get next week? Battle of unbeaten's in Athens, Georgia. 
as long as the Georgia Bulldogs take care of their business. Ah, yes, as long as they take care of business against Auburn. Well, uh, listen, Georgia's yet to cover a spread. Uh, are we going to start doing that at some point? In the, fir- in the first halves, it's been terrible. They were trailing South Carolina 14-3. They were tied with UAB like 20 minutes into the game. And then, well, they turned it on. They scored touchdowns on five straight drives last week. But it just feels like everybody is acknowledging that Georgia is sleepwalking through this early part of their schedule. Now, there's one part about that, me saying that everybody's acknowledging this, that has me concerned about going against Georgia. And that's the fact that now we have Kirby Smart answering questions about it. And that, to me, is a recipe for we're going to dominate. Anytime you start getting on the coach for a team's performance, even though they're undefeated and they're the back-to-back reigning national champions, you know they're going to respond with a big-time effort. Uh, Kirby Smart having to answer questions about his team four games into the season. Hey, think about that. They're 4 0. And everyone's asking about all the players they had to replace from the NFL draft. They're asking about, you know, Carson Beck. They're asking about the the performances. Like I said, they were trailing in South Carolina. They were tied with UAB. He doesn't want to have to answer these questions. His team is undefeated. They got wins. And that's all that matters to him. But I think his team, I think he's going to get on his players this week. And uh, I would not feel comfortable taking Auburn. It's clear that this Georgia team is not the unstoppable force that they've been the last couple seasons. But, man, this Auburn team is ugly. Last week, they played three different quarterbacks. None of them had any success against Texas A&M. They were combined. This is three player stat lines combined I'm going to give you right now. Nine for 23, 56 yards. That's the three quarterbacks Uh. combined. Against Cal earlier this season, 10 of 17, 94 yards. Georgia feasts on bad quarterbacks. Auburn has nothing but bad quarterback play. This is an absolute mismatch. Again, Georgia, maybe they've, I don't know, maybe they've got look ahead to Kentucky. Maybe, um, Maybe it's it's their first road game, so they're they're a little sleepy. I I don't know. There's reasons maybe not to back a Georgia team that hasn't covered all year, but there's no way I want to back this Auburn team right now, particularly Auburn's offense against Georgia's defense. Team total at DraftKings fifteen and a half for Auburn. How wow. how wow. are you going to wow. score sixteen points? Where's that going to come from? So. To me, that it's I'm probably going to be on a team total under uh, for for the Auburn here. Yeah, and and this is um, it's weird. Uh, Hugh Freeze had some awkward comments in his press conference about Kirby Smart. Nothing that was disrespectful, but it was just like about he didn't he didn't he didn't realize like how quickly he won a national championship, and then he doesn't understand why there's such a rivalry between Auburn and Georgia. Like he just isn't say, it like the oldest rivalry know, in the South? I, I know, and, and he's saying, oh, I don't, I don't see the hatred, and so I don't think that's a, a big rivalry. So it's just, okay. yeah, it's kind of some weird comments that you just don't want to hear from the head coach going into a game where you're a fourteen and a half point home dog. But to me, it sounds like, hey, Kirby, 
Maybe don't smash our guts in, please. Yeah, we, maybe that's cool. what it is. Uh, all right, let's go to another team that has won all their games but haven't covered a spread yet, the Michigan Wolverines. 17-point favorites at Corn. They This isn't about Michigan not being dominant. They are. To me, this is about Michigan's pace. Michigan is running a tempo this year that is just not conducive to covering big numbers. And whatever the decision is for that, like if that was what they wanted to do, you know, when Harbaugh was away, Mm -hmm. like minimize the the variance, I'm not sure. But you're not going to cover big-ass numbers when you have seven drives in a game. Yeah, so I'm going to give you uh, an alarming stat here, which makes me, and which probably going to make you want to bet Michigan in the first half. Okay. And maybe that's how it is moving forward. Michigan's scoring margin in the first three quarters is plus 107. <laughs> Their scoring margin in the fourth quarter, minus three. Wow. That's why they're not covering. Because they are taking their foot off the gas pedal, and in garbage time, they are playing out the strings. They dominate early, but then they just cruise to the victory. I mean, Rutgers did score on their third snap of the game, but they didn't score the rest of the game No, they didn't. That. And listen, we, we were lucky to get that cover last week or get the push. I mean, this was— well, It would have been unlucky, too. That was a pick six. No, that's true. You know, uh, But— yeah, but again, it was a the reason why we were able to stay in that number with Rutgers, who couldn't score. Because they had no interest in scoring. They just go they, so slow. That's it. Again, a plus 107 scoring margin in the first three quarters, minus three in the fourth quarter. And uh, Michigan ranks first in points allowed per drive, first in success rate allowed defensively. They're just elite. And, and you look at this game and, and you're trying to think about where points are going to come from from Corn. Probably not going to be many. No. Michigan's defense, whatever you think about Michigan so far this year, the defense is still a monster. Number one. Yeah. Uh, they've given up uh, 23 points through four football games. I'm not great at math. That sounds like less than six points per game. Mm-hmm. And Corn has to run the ball. I don't I don't see how they can run the ball. Nope. Um, I, I'm not rushing out to bet on this Michigan team laying 17 the way with the way they've been playing like from, again, a, from a tempo standpoint. Michigan but, first half. Yeah, that, that'd right, be the right, only way I could look. Right now you get Michigan minus nine and a half for the first half. All right, let's look at another. I guess, man, these most power ratings, I think, have uh, Georgia, Michigan, and Texas, one, two, and three in some order. And Texas is next on our list here. Kansas plus 16 and a half at Texas. Total is 64. Kansas is 4-0, and I like a lot of what I've seen from them so far. Like Daniels is the real deal. Devin mm-hmm. Neal is is a, a a runner. I mean, he's very good. Lance Leopold's a great coach. And just a couple of years ago, Kansas knocked off Texas and Austin in like one of the most emotionally crippling, crippling losses that Texas fans have had ever. But the Jayhawks haven't played anyone that impresses me. Mm-hmm. Like I don't think BYU's good. I don't think Illinois is good. And even in those wins, they haven't particularly dominated. Texas, meanwhile, it's they, everything's been clean. Like they they have handled their business. Something that Texas, like past iterations of Texas, didn't do. Past iterations of Texas wouldn't have gone up against a Baylor team that had inferior talent and put their foot on their throat. Mm-hmm. Texas did that last week, and 
I want to say they do it again here. Quinn Ewers looks like he's starting to look like one of the top, like he, like he was the top recruit in the country, finally. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are, the defense is dominant up front. Dominant up front. And I, I, I think Kansas is better than they've looked so far. But I, I also think Texas is starting to figure it out, and they're they're going to abuse inferior talent. And I, I think they do that here. That said, this is the Super Bowl for Kansas. Yep. And Texas has OU on deck, mm-hmm. which and, makes it hard to say well, Texas is going to blow them out. Yeah, and I think Kansas, look, they're second in the nation in passing success rate. Uh, it's been a great season offensively for them, probably a little bit ahead of the 4-0 start from last year. But the defense is a liability. And against Quinn Ewers and this Texas offense, it's going to be difficult. Uh, I don't like laying the big number here, as you mentioned, with the Red River rivalry coming up next week. But I do think Texas has to focus on Kansas. And I think early on in this game, you're going to get a very good effort from Texas. I like betting Texas early in this game. First quarter, first half. I think that's where they they do separate themselves. All right, let's look at Missouri. Minus 18 at Vanderbilt, I'm not sold on Mizzou. I, I didn't like Mizzou coming into the season. Uh, they were a team I wanted to go against. They've exceeded my expectations, I suppose. Like it's hard for me to to really knock them. But you know, they beat Kansas State on a 61 yard field goal. They beat Middle Tennessee State, who we just talked about. They absolutely stink. Uh, and and really, Middle Tennessee, they played them even. Like statistically, that was a, an even game. It, <laughs> Vanderbilt's got some bad losses. The loss at UNLV is bad, no matter how you slice mm-hmm. it. The Wake Forest loss is starting to look worse because I don't know if Wake Forest is any good. Uh, the win at Hawaii isn't doesn't particularly like make you feel good about this Vanderbilt team. But last week they were they were down twenty four nothing and they couldn't dig out against Kentucky, but they at least made it respectable. And they had four giveaways in that game. I'm probably uh, 13 to me doesn't matter. I'm going to wait and see if I can get a full two touchdowns and and maybe take a stab with Vandy here. But at 13, it's it's a stay away. So I think this is a good spot for Vanderbilt, bad spot for Missouri. Missouri is playing with a lot of hype. Uh, but if you carefully look at their games, yes, offensive explosion in the last two in terms of big chunk plays, but they barely got by mid Tennessee the 61-yarder for the win against Kansas State. And I think they're thinking, they're starting to maybe think, hey, next week at home against LSU, that's the biggest game that we've had on campus in forever. Yeah. Well, you got to beat Vanderbilt first. And I think they can get, this might be a sneaky spot for Vanderbilt to, uh, you know, catch, catch a, a team napping. Catch a team napping, yes, in Missouri. All right, let's look at that LSU Tigers team. Go Tigers. Uh, they are two-and-a-half-point favorites at Ole Miss. I've got no idea what to make of LSU at this point. Like, mm-hmm. I've, I've seen moments where I was like, man, LSU's really good. And I've seen moments where, oof, LSU on defense particularly has a lot of work to do. I think LSU's going to put up points every week. Um, initially, I thought maybe – it was Florida State's offense that was incredible, and they, mm-hmm, they made mm-hmm. a great LSU defense look bad. But being all out to hold down Arkansas without Rocket Sanders, that's a pretty rough look. And they did hold Arkansas to a couple field goals in key spots in short fields. So maybe their defense deserves some credit. But overall, this they're not as good as I thought they were going to be. 
Now, Ole Miss couldn't move the ball against Bama, but they led that game at halftime. Yep. Maybe their defense is better than I thought, too. Uh, you know, they they uh, they did a good job. And they started to melt in the second half. Bama got some things rolling, and, and Ole Miss just kind of melted away. The home team in this matchup has gone 8-2 and two in the last 10 straight up. 9-1 and one ATS. Ole Miss has won eight of their last 10 SEC home games as well. And you might be thinking, well, the win, but what about the cover? Well, they're underdogs here. They're home dogs. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't trust the LSU defense, particularly against the pass. I'll probably wait to see if we get a three, but I think the over is a safe play. I, I, I think that the LSU defense gets chewed up here. I, I think Ole Miss's offense probably gets chewed up too. Uh, but it's 67. I, I, it's a big number, but I like the over. And I'll probably uh, I'll probably dabble in some Ole Miss if we see a three. I have a slight lean towards Ole Miss in this game. Uh, it's a good bounce back spot for them off the loss to Alabama, um, and and if they win this game, they're still in control, right? Because you never know what's going to happen with Alabama as the season progresses. But uh, I think this is a good spot for them at home against LSU. I like what I saw in in parts of that game against Alabama. You're right. They had the lead. They let it slip away. Um, Jackson Dart was able to make plays. There were other times where the, the Bama defense was just a little bit overwhelming. Uh, but I think that this is a bounce-back spot for the Rebels. I wouldn't be surprised if they win this one outright. All right, let's go back out west. Oregon, 27-point favorites at Stanford. Uh, Oregon's quiet, quietly been and I mean I guess up until last week it was quiet it's kind of noisy now but they've quietly been one of the best teams in the country this year and we know the offense like the offense puts up points right they're they're going to keep putting up points but this Dan Lanning defense has quietly become like a top 10 defense they've got great size up front and that's big against Stanford who the new Stanford offense is very run heavy um, but they just don't have the physicality that you need to match up against the higher caliber teams, mm-hmm. and that's what they're running into here. Just a, a team that's got, let's face it, just a, a lot more talent than they've got and a lot more size than they've got. Oregon is in a weird spot, no doubt. They just had this game against Colorado where clearly it was an emotional game that they had circled, and they've got Washington on deck. So if you play the Ducks here, Maybe the best way to play it is the first half. Yeah, because it is a sandwich spot. Yep. But uh, there's no way you can get me to back Stanford here. This Stanford team is is completely overmatched. Oregon sixth in the nation in rushing success rate. Their trio of running backs, uh, Irving, James, and Whittington, averaging 165 yards per game, 7.8 yards per carry. Bo Nix completing 79% of his passes. That's second best in the country. And the offensive line doing its job, only allowing pressure 9% of the time. That's second best in the country. They're second in scoring offense, 15th in scoring defense. This is going to be an easy win for them. It's just a matter of how much do they want to cover the number by and do the starters play looking ahead to Washington? Like, do they play late in the fourth quarter looking ahead to Washington? Yeah, that that's the uh, the biggest question. So uh, I, I think we, we both generally like Oregon, don't love Oregon's spot here. Uh, Iowa State plus 20 at Boomer Sooner. And Oklahoma's been dominant, and it's been more so with their defense than their offense. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are 4-0 against the final number. They've allowed 8.5 points per game. 
Venables has his guys, and they are scary. And I still don't love Dylan Gabriel, but the Sooners don't they don't need much to pull away in this game given the, the Cyclones' raggedy offense. Like Oklahoma does also have Texas on deck, so and, and, and maybe even more than any normal Red River game, they lost 49 to nothing last year. Mm-hmm. This is the spot. Uh, ne- next week is the spot for, for OU, so you could see them being sleepy here. I don't want to back Oklahoma laying such a big number, but I think their defense stays nasty and, and holds Iowa State down. I, I like under 48 and a half here. Um, OU's got no reason to to run this score up. They Again, they want to get out healthy and get, and get ready for Texas, um, but they, they're just on a different level than this Iowa State team. Iowa State's team total is 13 and a half. I can see that going under. You talk about how elite their defense has been. They're second in the country in points allowed per drive. And, yeah, they, they, they've been incredible. They, they have been incredible, especially against bad defenses. But Iowa State's pretty good defensively. That, Texas is even better. So That's why I like the under. Yeah, these next two weeks are going to be uh, very telling for their offense, but Dylan Gabriel is just, you know, he's another one with a high completion rate. He gets the ball out quickly. Uh, when he decides to run the football, it's it's effective. Oklahoma's going to win this game. I don't know if they're going to cover 20. Um, and the, the, the under probably is a good lean here, but, you know, I think Oklahoma's – it's going to be a great matchup next week against Texas. All right, let's move on, and let's move to a team that you liked last week. I'm curious if you like them again here. The Notre Dame Fighting Irish laying five and a half at Duke, total of 52. What do you see? Mike Elko's defense is for real. They, they're good. They're real good. Um, they bend. They just they don't break. And they're top 20 in both points and points allowed per drive. And Riley Leonard's he's really good. <laughs> like he's better than people expect. And his running ability makes makes him dangerous. Notre Dame is they need the win, right? Their season is on the line. Duke, meanwhile, if they lose this game, still in good position because it's not an ACC game. They're going to be okay in terms of getting to the ACC championship game. So more is on the line for Notre Dame. But that being said, this is a home game, primetime, ABC, Saturday night football. How could you not take the home dog? You make a good point. Um, I didn't want to take Notre Dame last week, and honestly, they they were probably the right side. Uh, I mean, they made a crucial coaching error that cost them the game. And you know, ten players on the field is probably not going to get it done. Yeah, probably twice. Yeah, uh, but you're right. There's no wiggle room now for Notre Dame. If you look at Notre Dame last week in um, like their uh, post game win expectancy, it's mm-hmm. uh, Bill Connolly's uh, SP plus stat there, and they were 60.6%. Yeah, they, they should have won the game. Mm-hmm. The Ohio State defense was probably the best defense at Hartman will see all season. It only goes up from here. Mm-hmm. And you're right, Elko's defense is good, but look, Elko's defense has been good considering the, the competition that they've played. Their, the best win since he's been there was that win against Clemson, and they got outstatted in that game. Mm-hmm. I love Elko. They still just, they're inexperienced and they, they don't have that big game. You know, they haven't played in these games. And now Freeman has to make a statement in this game because he's been in the news all week. 
He's eating shit right yeah. now. Yeah. Uh, if they don't, if they don't handle business here, floodgates could really open on this season, mm-hmm. and you could be mm-hmm. talking about like an eight and four season, which is given the preseason expectations would be a, a nightmare. And the pressure starts to come down from the top. Yeah, and from the boosters and whatnot. So I, I don't know where to go with this game. I, I it feels like the the spot is really strong for Notre Dame here, coming mm-hmm. off that loss. Like you feel like they're going to be focused and motivated, uh, but. I mean, you're right. Five and a half points yeah. at home. That's a lot of points. So this will be a, another game that I stay away from. Uh, let's look at an SEC game here. South Carolina plus 13 at Tennessee up on rock on old Rocky Top, I like to call it. You know, the corn doesn't grow there up on old Rocky Top. Nope. nope. It's far too rocky by far. Uh, I gave Tennessee my Tennessee hate. I gave it a week off last week. Okay. And it was the right thing to do because UTSA was not healthy. And it showed. They, Tennessee handled their business. Uh, but I'm right back to hating this week. <laughs> um, and I'm going to take another shot with South Carolina. Got me a win as a best bet last week uh, over Miss State. So Spencer Rattler has been way better than I expected him to be. I, I, I thought, you know, he could be okay. He looks like Oklahoma year one Spencer Rattler, like before he got benched Spencer Rattler. And... Man, he's he kept them in a game against Georgia. Like he's very, very good. He's got a seventy-four percent completion rate, over twelve hundred yards already, and he's doing all that with an offensive line that can't protect him. They've played the much tougher team. South Carolina's played the much tougher team mm-hmm. so far. I mentioned Georgia. They opened the season against South or against North Carolina. The Vols are weak in the secondary, and Rattler can take advantage of him. He can chew that up. I worry a little bit about the weather. Rain is in the forecast. Now, listen, that's Saturday. We're recording this Tuesday night. Mm-hmm. I don't know what's going to happen. But Tennessee wants to run the ball much more than they did a year ago, and they can run the ball much better than they did a year ago. This isn't the old just chuck it around the field. South Carolina can't really run the ball. That worries me. I'm going to look for a good South Carolina number. I'm going to try and get a 14 if the weather's still decent. If it's decent late in the week, if it's if it's going to rain, you can count me out on South Carolina. I'll, I'll just pass the game. But uh, if if it's a clear day, give me Rattler and the boys who who I think can throw the ball around a lot better than Tennessee can this year. Neyland's just a really tough place to play, and now it's a tough. And now it's at night. It's an yep. even tougher place to play. Uh, but last year against Tennessee, Spencer Rattler went off. He had. 438 yards and six touchdowns in that game against Tennessee last year. Is that a lot? I think that's. I think those are good numbers. That'll get the right? job done. Yeah, uh, I think this could wind up being a closer game than people think. I, Tennessee's going to win, in my opinion, because they're home and 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 the crowd's going to be on their side. I don't know if they're going to win this one by two touchdowns. I don't know if they're going to win this one by double digits. I, I like South Carolina in this spot. I really do. And and it's because of Spencer Rattler. Just give us some good weather. That's all I'm asking. Mm-hmm. Uh, stay in the SEC. Alabama laying a little over a touchdown. Touch Two touchdowns and a hook, pardon me, uh, at Mississippi State. And the question about Alabama is, did they flip a switch in the second half last mm. week? The offense is not explosive. But, but Jalen Milrose, he's he's completing high percentage passes. He's 81% not, yeah. of his throws last week. Yep. And the running game was solid. It was a workmanlike win. It felt like an Alabama eight years ago win. And I, that's probably what Alabama's going to have to be this year because they're not going to put up 40 points on everybody. It's just not going to happen this season. 
That said, this is a game that Milrow is going to have to win because Mississippi State has done a really good job against the run. But Spencer Rattler ate him up. Jalen Daniels ate him up. Jaden yeah, Delora ate him up. But I don't think Milrow can do that. Um, and the concern that I have for Alabama is that Will Rogers can do what Quinn Ewers did to them. And so as, as elite as Alabama's defense is, when they did face a competent quarterback in Quinn Ewers, he was able to eat him up, threw for 350 yards. You know what the difference is? Quinn Ewers had time. Mississippi State has not given their quarterback time this season, which is why they're so run heavy. Like it, the, the lie that, that Mississippi State told about wanting to be more balanced mm-hmm. – it meant we're going to be just as unbalanced. We're just going to be unbalanced to the run instead of the pass <laughs> because they knew they couldn't protect the quarterback. That's a problem against Alabama. Um, I, I think that they're, if Milrow can hit some just like he did last week, simple throws that Alabama can pull away in this game. But I don't know. I, I just I've faded Mississippi State the last two weeks. I've been handsomely rewarded for it. Uh, LSU smashed them. And then last week, like I said, South Carolina handled them. I, it's it's probably getting a little expensive. But if I had to play this game, it probably it'd probably be uh, on Alabama. I have a lean towards Mississippi State, and I lean towards the over as well. I think there's going to be points in this game. All right, let's go to the Pac-12. Washington laying team in the country. 18 at Arizona. Total 67 and a half. Pick your number. I feel the same way. Maybe I'm a sucker. I, I'm going to be r- right back. To you, Dub. Here, Arizona is likely without Jaden Delora, um, who is hurt with an ankle. So even if he does play, you're taking away his best weapon, which is his legs. Arizona is better than they've been the past few seasons, no doubt. But this Huskies team, it's insane what they're doing on offense. They are. They're looking like what Miami, what the Dolphins looked like last week against the Broncos. I want. <laughs> I'm gonna. Better. I'm gonna give a number here that it's, that's almost mind-boggling. Washington is averaging 9.3 yards per play. Yeah, that means when they snap the ball, mm-hmm. it's first down. It's a first down. Like it's one yard from a first down. It, that's that's Washington. Every time they throw, they're averaging 12 yards. 12 yards per pass attempt. Arizona let Mississippi State throw the ball on them. They let Stanford throw the ball on them. They let UTEP throw the ball on them. That's terrifying given what what Washington's bringing. I I think they're in for a real wake-up call. Cal played their best game of the season last week against uh, against Washington, and Washington still won by 27 points. They scored it on six of their first seven possessions and had 45 points at at the half. And, And... Washington got a first-place vote this week in the AP poll. Uh, the S&P Plus has them at number one. Um, you, you look at the uh, the Athletic did a Heisman straw poll, and Michael Penix, number one. Yeah. He's your Heisman winner right well, now. Well, he's the favorite right now in the, in the betting market as well. Yeah, he's the favorite in the betting market, but I, they the, they did a poll of voters, and the, the, the straw poll right now has him winning the Heisman Trophy. And, yes, he's the favorite, plus 360, Caleb Williams. Is plus four hundred. By the way, it, it did go in uh, in in the odds order that straw poll. So Penix was one. Caleb actually no. Penix was one. Caleb was number two. Number three in the straw poll was Bo Nix. Really? Yeah. Now that, that's I found that interesting because Quinn Ewers is the third favorite and yeah. Bo Nix is the fourth favorite. But when they did the the straw poll, 
it was Penix one, Caleb two, Bo Nix three. But I think I think Washington names their number in this game. They they are they are Kalen DeBoer's offense is operating on a level that we haven't seen in a long time right now. Here is the question for Washington. They've got Oregon. I guess let's see, you know what? They've got a bye. They got a bye. They got a week off. I forgot about that. Mm-hmm. I was gonna say they've got Oregon next, but they have a bye first. Mm-hmm. There's no reason for them to be distracted. Nope. Yeah, this feels like a, a really good spot uh for Washington. Um, not that there, there, there has been a bad spot for them yet. So, uh, I think we are in agreement on that one. Last top 25 game, Nevada plus 24 and a half at Fresno state. Nevada backdoored us last week with a backup quarterback. Yeah. 54 seconds left. They scored, but you know what? The last two weeks of watching Nevada, and I watched both their games because I, I was invested in both of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're right. They did backdoor Texas State, but like, at what point did you think Texas State was dead anyway? Never. I, well, in, in, the, State, in, in the first quarter, did Texas you, State was down 17 nothing, and I still believed that they were going to cover the 17. Uh, and they were until 54 seconds left. That's how bad Nevada is. Nevada's bad, no doubt. But remember, Nevada was tied with Kansas in the fourth quarter. Yeah. I, I mean, maybe they're not as crappy as we thought. And Fresno is 4-0. They're sitting in the top 25. Why? They beat Purdue on a last-minute touchdown. And I think Purdue's not very good anyway. They beat FCS Eastern Washington in two overtimes. They beat Arizona State, who was on their fourth quarterback, a freshman walk-on. Mm-hmm. And they beat Kent State, who might be the worst team in the country. I feel like Fresno State is way overvalued right now. Like, they've done nothing to impress me. This is one of those bets that's really hard to make. I have this game at at about 21 at Fresno State. Mm. So, in the numbers, 24 and a half. It's got to be dog or nothing for me. Well, here's what I do like about the Bulldogs. They force three and outs 44% of the time, ninth best in the country. They're third best in forcing turnovers. And Mikey Keene, who is from UCF and transferred over, is spreading the ball around to everybody. I mean, he gets the ball out of his hands. He is He's a nice fit in this Tedford offense. He's not your boy. Uh, uh, who, Hainer. Jake yeah, Jay Kaner. But uh, not many people are. But he's a good fit in this offense. And I just think defensively, they're not going to allow what Nevada did last week against Texas State. They're not going to allow what Nevada was able to do against Kansas. But I think when you, when you think about all those numbers that you're mentioning for their, their defense, like you have to remember they played a freshman walk-on. Yeah. Like Jacob Conover, who's like a made-up person, was starting for Arizona State. And like, the one team that they did play in Purdue scored 35. Yeah, so I, I don't know how real that defense is. And when you think, like, they were good on defense last year, but they lost so much. Like, they, they had hardly anything returning on that side. I just don't trust Fresno. And this is such a huge number. Even against a bad team like Nevada, I, I, I want nothing to do with them. All right, let's get into our best bets. Before we do that, though, Scott's going to help you save some money at pregame.com. That's right, AJ. In the spirit of the humble pie being <laughs> served to Coach Prime last week. Shoved down his throat, by, you said. Yeah, I did. Shoved down. It, it was. It was shoved down. Uh, it was, you know, there was m- multiple servings <laughs> shoved down his throat. And, and kudos to our uh, social media team for putting out that video that last good. week. That was pretty good. 
We're going to go with Humble20 is the promo code for you guys to use at pregame.com. Make sure you head to pregame.com. If you are not a member, sign up for free because new members get a free $25 just for signing up. And as a pregame.com member, you have access to all the coupons and discounts that we give out, including the promo code for this week, HUMBLE20, which saves you 20% off any purchase at pregame.com. All right, let's get into best bets. I will take the lead here, and I'm going to go with the Cal Bears. Uh, they are minus 12 at home against Arizona State. Numbers don't jump off the page for Cal, but they should have won that game against Auburn. They put up more offense against Washington than anyone has all season. Their offensive line has held up well in every game. Arizona State's not going to bring any pressure anyway. And on the other side, Arizona State, I've mentioned a couple times in this pod against different teams, they're they're hurting at quarterback, but it's not just quarterback. They're down to Drew Pine at quarterback. He looked okay against USC last week. USC, a lot of self-inflicted wounds. Um, There were 10 guys. They were without 10 starters due to injury last week, Arizona State was. That number might drop by one or two this week, but the woes are still there, particularly in the trenches. Sun Devils without four starting projected starting offensive linemen. And I don't think Arizona State's going to win a lot of games this season. I think they know that. Getting a high-profile win would be huge for them. They tried really hard last week against USC and came up short. They have Colorado on deck. Winning against Cal, Mm. that doesn't make your season. Winning against Colorado, that might. Uh, Meanwhile, Cal has two wins, and they're about to start a run of five consecutive games against ranked teams. If they are going to make a bowl game, this is not a game that they can afford to lose. I think that they I think the Bears are feisty. I think that they get some separation here. I, I I think that there's just they're a different class than Arizona State, particularly in Arizona State's current form. All right. Uh, I like it. I'm gonna go with the Syracuse Orange plus seven at home against Clemson. How dare you? You're a Dabo guy. I'm also a Cuse guy. Okay. (laughs) Syracuse plus seven at home against Clemson. Clemson coming off a deflating loss. And that loss erases their college football playoff hopes. Yeah. And it severely hurts their chances at getting into the ACC championship game. And what do we call that here at pregame.com? It's the dream crusher scenario. Now they have to travel to the Carrier Dome where Syracuse has given them some good fights under Dino Babers. They upset Clemson in his second year and back in 2017, lost by four in 2018. They lost by three in 2021. They lost by six last year. This isn't a walk in the park for Clemson. And look at what Syracuse has done defensively under new defensive coordinator Rocky Long. They're ninth in the country in points allowed per possession. New offensive coordinator Jason Beck is working wonders with Garrett Schrader, who's 16th in the country in QBR right now. And his dual threat ability is going to be the difference in this game. Garrett Schrader is averaging 80 yards per game on the ground with six rushing touchdowns. So let's try and look for a comparison here. How about Riley Leonard of Duke? Riley Leonard against Clemson rushed for 98 yards and a score. Garrett Schrader and Riley Leonard are like clones of each other. They're 6'4", 215. They're the same size. Schrader's actually weighs a little bit more. He's more like 220, 225, which means he's just harder to bring down. But they're both very similar body type, very similar quarterbacks with their running abilities. 
and red zone defense for Syracuse, number one in the country, holding Clemson to field goals should they get inside the 20, that's a good recipe for a cover. Syracuse is undefeated. They're playing with purpose. You have Clemson, deflated, dream crusher. I think the Orange keep this one close. I'm going to sprinkle a little bit on the money line, though. I think Cuse can win this one outright. All right. Yeah, I don't hate that either. I, I, I Listen, you know what? I, I, Kid Klubnik is a bad decision maker. Um, you know, I, I get the, the the hype was there when he when he came out of high school, but he's not lived up to it. And whether or not that's Dabo's fault or his fault, I, I don't know. I don't know that we'll know. I don't know we'll ever know. But he's not what I thought he was going to be. He's not what anybody thought he was going to be. Certain, I don't think he's what Dabo thought he was going to be. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, maybe, maybe you're, uh, you're ca- catching seven at home is always it's, – it's certainly appealing, especially against a Clemson team that doesn't feel like they're going to run away and hide from mm-hmm. anybody. Um, and if you're right that they are, you know, that the season's gone for them and they feel like it's gone, this could this could be a tough spot. I know it's not called the Carrier Dome anymore. It's the JMA Wireless Dome, but it will always be the Carrier Dome. Always. All right, that will do it for another episode. Um, I, I guess we'll we'll update you on our contest. Rough week for your boys here. Yeah. One five and one in our contest. Uh, the one loss we had Oklahoma in the contest line fourteen and a half. They win by fourteen. Yeah, the, we had Texas State got backdoored fifty four seconds left. Lost that one as well. My favorite play of the week was Rice. Uh, Rice had a lead and JT Daniels got hurt. Yep. And once he got hurt, the game was over. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was some some bad things went our way last week uh, after a really good week the week before. So hopefully we uh, we swing the pendulum back the other way, get things back on track uh, during this week's games. And uh, you know, we, I'm not sure yet what we're looking at for our card. Scott and I both like some early games this week, but there's obviously a disadvantage if you play early games. Um, we've we've yet to play a Thursday game. I don't know if, if it's if it's worth giving up our advantage to play a Thursday game, but it's certainly something we'll consider this week. But uh, as always, just follow us on Twitter. We'll post those cards uh, before the week kicks off. For Scott Seidenberg, I'm AJ Hoffman. Thank you guys for listening, and we will talk to you next week. Go make yourselves some money, boys.